What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today, once again with his new and improved equipment, is my co-host, Curtis. We got a lot of positive feedback on social media about the uh, the equipment upgrade there on Curtis's end from his remote site. I know it's been a tough go the past couple months, uh, but hopefully... It's uh, resulting in a much better listening experience for everyone now that we've been able to upgrade his equipment. So uh, glad to be able to do that. But we know you guys came here to get a detailed preview of this epic early season top 10 matchup between our Georgia Bulldogs and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And we will get to that momentarily. You guys know our goal is to give you the most detailed breakdown of this game that you're going to find anywhere. But first... We do have a few very quick business items to remind you guys of real quickly here. want to make sure that everyone remembers that starting next week, you will no longer be able to find our podcast on SoundCloud or Podbean. If you missed the news earlier in the week, you can uh, you can just go back and listen to the Arkansas State recap show to get the entire story. But just to very quickly summarize, we just signed a contract with Overtime Media to be their Georgia sports podcast as they fill out their college lineup. We are, man, like we are extremely excited to once again be able to uh, bring you guys free content, 100% free content. And uh, But part of the deal was that we have to host our podcast through a company called Megaphone. And what that means is we have to kind of take it off SoundCloud and Podbean moving forward because it's a competitor of sorts. Those sites are competitors of sorts. But there are still a number of different ways to access the show. For Apple users, those of you with iPhones and iPads, we, are, we will definitely still be up on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it, just like we have been for the, for the past few years. So no change there for you if that's how you've been listening to the show. If you are an Android user, though, you can still find us on Stitcher, the TuneIn app, also on Google Play. We know there's quite a few of you out there that listen to us on Google Play, so you can still check us out there. Uh, we should also be up on Spotify Podcast as well. If you can't find us there, let us know. Uh, we'll check in on that, but we should be up there, and that'll be another great place to find our podcast moving forward. And if you, have, of course, if you have any questions or problems finding our show next week, please, please, please do not hesitate. Just let us know, and we will be more than happy to help you out. Again, this is starting next week. All right, now with that out of the way, let's do this thing. Let's break down this Georgia-Notre Dame game that we have all been very impatiently looking forward to for, I don't know, man, a couple of years now. Uh, And you guys know if you've been listening for a while, normally on on these shows, we start with a a whole host of stats to kind of give you an idea of how our opponents measure up on on a national level. The fact that Notre Dame has actually only played two games to this point and those games were against Louisville and New Mexico, the stats, I mean, they just paint an incomplete picture right now. There are some numbers that we do find relevant, though, with this matchup that we are going to throw in as we get into the matchups. But I'm just not going to sit here and read you a list of numbers that might not mean all that much right now. But what we do find relevant here on this show are matchups. That is ultimately what decides games. So that is how we are going to approach this in every preview that we do the rest of the way. So let's go ahead and get into this, man. We're going to start with a Notre Dame passing offense versus uh, our Georgia passing defense. And Kurt, let's start with the most important position on the field. Ian Book is basically entering his second year as a Notre Dame quarterback. Uh, well, not entering. He's now in his second year as a Notre Dame quarterback after being inserted as the starter in the fourth game of the season last year. Uh, last, season, last season, he completed 68% of his passes. For a little over 2,600 yards, 19 touchdowns, 7 picks, 8.4 yards per attempt. Uh, He threw 5 touchdowns and 360 yards a week ago against New Mexico. But he also has 613 career rushing yards. Kurt, very simply, how would you break down Ian Book's skill set as a quarterback? 
Uh, my biggest thing from him is, I mean, he's a good quarterback. I think one of the things that makes him best is that usually he kind of he's like a Connor Shaw type where he'll extend the play, and uh, I think that's where his biggest asset comes in because you can only cover their DBs for, I mean, their wide receivers for so long, and uh, he does a good job of trying to extend the plays and allow them to get open or make plays to get open. But I think other than that, I think he's a good, uh, good decision maker and makes quick decisions and is also pretty well um, comfortable in the system. Yeah, I think everything you said, it makes a lot of sense. I, I would say I think he's – and he's a good, solid runner. You mentioned Connor Shaw years ago now at South Carolina. That's always kind of our go-to for to, to describe a guy like this. But he he's physically limited, right, because he's not a big dude. Yeah, he's not a big guy. He's actually – I mean, they list him at six foot, so let's be honest. It's probably a 5'10", 5'11". Yeah. So he's not a big dude, doesn't have like a cannon arm. But what he is, he's, he's a fairly accurate passer that, as you mentioned, in my opinion, like – I think this guy is most dangerous when he's outside the pocket. Is that kind of how you see him? Yes, because, I mean, it's not that he's super – he's the fastest or, you know, like you said, the most athletic, but he just – he does a good job of extending plays, and that's when you see a lot of breakdowns and coverages. Yeah, and then that's when he can really hit you with a big play because he, he he isn't really a, a true gunslinger. That's not what he is. He doesn't really have that mentality. He protects the football fairly well, but they do take vertical shots with him. Um, but saying that, he, even though they do take those shots at times, he's just not a quarterback that's going like, to consistently stretch the field with that powerful like cannon-type arm. And so tight windows, sometimes they do give him trouble. But he is, at the very least, a stable, solid quarterback, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of what I would say is I don't think he's elite, but he's a good, solid power five starter. I, to compare him to somebody in the SEC, I would say like, and, and I'm not saying his skill set, I'm just saying like the caliber quarterback he is, the, the level of effectiveness. I would say maybe like a, a Kellen Mond level, Jake Bentley level. Is that fair? Yeah, I think it is. No, the pack, something like that. Uh, but let's talk about the options that Book has to work with out on the perimeter. When you look at the wide receiver group he has to work with, Curtis, is there an alpha male out there at wideout that we absolutely have to have an answer for? Um, I, I want to go with Chase Claypool because I think that he's the guy that's been around and he may not be the most talented receiver on the roster, but someone like that is dangerous because they've been around and he's been with Ian Book before. And so people like that that have that connection are the ones that you really have to watch out for. Yeah, I, I think Claypool is a guy I have in my notes. I would say that like, I, I think he is the most talented receiver, at least – from the group that I have seen that's come out there, maybe they have a young guy that hasn't played a ton. But I think Claypool is, is almost undoubtedly their, their most talented receiver. So to me, like he's 100% like that alpha male that you've got to game plan for. He's got just a hair under 200 yards receiving on the season, and he's a big, physical, fast, athletic dude. He's 6'5", about 230-ish pounds. He's got over, he had over 630 yards receiving last season as the, kind of the number two option. He was kind of the number two to Miles Boykin. But now he is, as we said earlier in the week, he, like, he's the Batman now. He is that guy out there. Uh, and he, he is a playmaker. He had a big touchdown, long touchdown catch against New Mexico. Now, I know it was New Mexico, but still, he has the ability to do that. So he is the guy that absolutely we have to know where he is on the field at all times out there when we're on defense because he's a guy that is that has the ability of making a big play at any given time. So you got to watch out for him. But who are the other options out there at wide out that we also need to make sure that we're not forgetting about? Um, the biggest person that I'm really going to focus on is probably Probably going to be Chris Finke, and I think that yeah. because he's one of those, de- uh, you know, very dangerous slot receivers. The guys that Clemson kind of made a living off of the past couple of years, right? Exactly, and you know, those are the ones that you, you you actually have to game plan for. 
Yeah, you have to have a plan for those guys. Because, I mean, look, they're not the most physically gifted guys, but when you put them in the slot and they have that kind of quick twitch ability, they, they can get mashed up on linebackers, safeties, star star cornerbacks, which are, I mean, let's be real, most, certainly the star has to be a guy that's a little bigger that can kind of fit against the run. But typically those are kind of like your third or fourth cornerback options. So those guys aren't as talented as maybe your two outside guys in terms of their coverage ability. So those guys can really feast, those slot receivers can feast on those matchups and Fink is a guy that absolutely can do that. He had 571 yards last year in the slot. I will say I'm kind of surprised so far this year. Now, it's only two games, but only has three catches for 59 yards through two games. Now, one of those was a blowout, and the Stars didn't play all that much. But he is a guy that absolutely gets a matchup for, especially when you consider some of the issues that like we saw uh, against Murray State or that long touchdown pass right from the slot. Yeah. We've had, if we've had some issues, any, any sort of issues in coverage, which there really haven't been many, so we're nitpicking here, it would be – from that star position, whether it's Devon Wilson or Mark Webb. So I think that's a guy that you still have to watch out for just from a matchup perspective. Um, I'd also throw in Javon McKinley in there. He's a younger guy. He's really coming on. He's 6'2", uh, has three catches for 96 yards. Uh, he's a guy that when you watch him play, like you can see playmaking ability there. Hasn't made a ton of plays throughout his career, but he, I think he has playmaking ability. What about the tight ends? Remember the name Tommy Trimble, Kurt, from a couple years yeah, ago in recruiting we out of Western? Him. We were after him in recruiting. Yeah, we were after him pretty heavily there. Uh, I think his dad's actually an alum here for Georgia. But he ends up at Notre Dame. What kind of – could he potentially give us some matchup issues at tight end? Um, I think he can. He's a big body guy who moves pretty well and has pretty deep, pretty good hands. Yeah, he's, he's one of those – I would call him a newer age tight end. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's very fair. One of those hybrid type guys. And it's weird. Like you look him out there, he wears – I think it's number 24, which is not usually a tight end number. So it's just kind of odd when you watch him play. Like who's The only thing 24? I'll say is I think that us already of having played Vanderbilt plays into helping us because we've already had to match up with one of the best tight ends and probably SEC. Uh, yeah, I, I, definitely in the SEC. Maybe one of the best tight ends in America, honestly. Uh, that guy, I mean, Pingney's really good. So I, I do like the fact that we have had some success against a guy like that. I'll say Ian Book's probably a little better quarterback than Riley Neal at this point. But yeah, but your your point is absolutely very fair. And the other guy out there, Cole Komet, uh, was a very weird last name, strange last name, K-M-E-T, but they pronounce it Komet. He has not played at all this year. He was going to be the number one tight end coming into the year. Didn't do a ton last year because he wasn't the number one option at that position. They had Alizé Mack. But he is supposedly he's probable for this game. He's been out with an injury, so he'll probably be in there as well. So you'll be, it'll be a, a combination of Trimble, Komet, maybe on the field at the same time. We'll see. Komet's more of like a, I, I would say that the traditional inline tight end can certainly make plays in the passing game as well. But he's a bigger, more physical tight end that uh, really can get the job done in the blocking game. So just a couple of guys to watch out for there. But I certainly think Chase Claypool is the one to really, really pay attention to. So Kerr, all in all, when you're looking at this Notre Dame passing offense versus our pass defense. Who has the advantage in this matchup? Um, I think I'm going to go with us, and I think one of the biggest difference or the things that place in us is once again, I think that we are pretty experienced on the backside. I mean, that's the one thing I've noticed. I know Kirby wanted to create more havoc, but I think he's trusted that he can, you know, bring guys in blitzes so far this year because he trusts our guys on the back end. And I think that's why we're able to get as much pressure and Kirby is able to dial some things up. Cause you're right. Last year we were pretty, we were young back there in spots. I mean, I know LeCount was a sophomore, but it was his first year as a real star. He had Tyson Campbell's a true freshman. Kirby didn't feel exactly comfortable dialing things up a lot, but now I think he does have that comfort level. So that's a very good point to make in terms of like who has advantage in this particular matchup. I think it might be a push. I don't know. If I, it's, it's hard to say, man, I, we just haven't seen that much Notre Dame in terms of who they play. They only played two games, and it hasn't been great competition. I actually might be on the other side of this. So if I had to lean one way, I might like 
ever so slightly lead Notre Dame's way. I really like our secondary and pass rush combination, but the thing with me right now is Tyson Campbell's status. Do you feel comfortable he's going to play? Like, I think there's probably a good chance, but we just don't know, right? Yeah, I think he'll play, but once again, how healthy is he going to be? Right, so that that's what gives me some pause here, and I still do have some concerns, however minor they might be, about coverage from that star position when you're looking at Chris Fink, who is a really good slot receiver. Hasn't done a ton this year, but he's a guy that's made plays for them. And if there's, like I said earlier, if there's a spot where we've kind of had some, even the slightest bit of issues in coverage, it's been that star position. But at the same time, like I think our linebackers are, are athletic enough to match up with their tight ends. We've already, like as you mentioned, we've already matched up with Jerry Pinkney, and he's one of the best out there in America. And Eric Stokes has developed, and like we know, he's developed into like a borderline elite cornerback. I mean, he's shown great ball skills. I think he has the ability to defend uh, some of those 50-50 balls that they're going to throw to Claypool. And look, we've already shut down Clyde Lipscomb. He's a very different receiver than Chase Claypool. Claypool's much bigger, more of a 50-50 type uh, athlete out there in those, those jump ball situations. But we, we've, we've faced a good receiver, and we've managed to, to hold him in check fairly well. So I don't know. It's, I think probably a push. We've had to lean one way, maybe slightly Notre Dame, because I just don't know about Tyson Cam, but I really like how he's been playing through the first couple of weeks of this season. Uh, but all right, let's move over to the Notre Dame rush offense versus our rush defense. So that's their pass game. We talked about their passing game, but let's look at the running game. I'm not sure how much all of you paid attention to Notre Dame last season, but they had a beast at running back in Dexter Williams. Didn't play the first couple games, but once he came in, man, like he was a man possessed. He was a difference maker. A thousand yards over six, uh, it's like six point three yards per carry in only nine games last year. But that guy is gone. And coming into this season, it was going to be like a two-man platoon back there at tailback with Jafar Armstrong, who actually played some wide receiver for them last season, and then Tony Jones Jr. But Armstrong went out with a groin injury week one against Louisville. So it's really right now basically Tony Jones Jr. at tailback and like maybe a couple of guys that get in there to give him like a breather here or there. So, Kurt, how concerned should we be about Tony Jones Jr. and this Notre Dame rushing attack? I mean, I'm not one to discount them, but I honestly don't believe we should be that concerned. I mean, I think they'll get some yards, but I honestly don't believe that he's anywhere close to the type back that we saw in Vanderbilt. Uh, he's he's not Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, he's certainly not that. I don't think he's really even close. Uh, look, if you look at what they've done this year, they ran it well against Louisville, but they really didn't. Ha- it's weird. They didn't have a ton of success against New Mexico, which you would have kind of expected them to. They only had 150 star- 157 yards rushing on 38 carries against New Mexico, which is not very efficient. And, and Tony Jones Jr., I'd say he's like kind of like Book. He's a solid back, but I don't think he's a game changer. I would kind of compare him to like a LaMichael P. Ryan at Florida. Does that make sense, Kurt? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, like a good solid back, but not like a game-changing type talent right now. There's very little uh, quality depth behind him, with very little experience depth behind him. I will say they do have good – they have a good offensive line. They got four starters actually coming back from last year's unit. But the thing is, like, if you look at this matchup, I think the offensive line – I know it's it's a new year this year. I get that, guys. But if you look back at that Notre Dame offensive line in 2017, I think they were much better back then on the offensive line with two future first-rounders with McGlinchey and Nelson. And our defense line is better – deeper and more experienced this year so if we were able to hold our own in that matchup i really like our chance this well, year I, the I, line that they're, I, th- I thought they're i felt like their offensive line really struggled um against louisville they they did especially the first half of that game they were i mean louisville was a two-win team last year and you were thinking they were coming there were four returning stars be able to come and pose there well they ran the ball okay so they, they ran the ball well in the second half the first half though like they were getting stoned at times they had a couple big runs but they were not an efficient offense so I think you're right there. So I, I kind of like that matchup there. Uh, I think you have to. You also have to factor Ian Book into this equation. This guy has over 600 yards rushing in his career. Now some of that is scrambling, but they also run him on design runs. I mean they do. 
He's not gonna. You're not gonna mistake him for uh, a Nick Marshall or or anyone like or a Khalil Tate or anyone like that. But they run some zone read with him. They they do run some quarterback draws. I haven't seen them run a ton or really any quarterback power, but it doesn't mean they can't do it. But it's a lot of zone read draws type stuff. But he'll, they'll they'll use him in, in like a, kind of the design quarterback run game. So you got to factor him in there as well. But in your mind, Kurt, who has the advantage in this matchup? I think I'm going to go with us. I think our defense line is playing really well. Like, you know, you and I have talked about it. I feel like Tyler Clark's playing up to a higher standard this year, and I think that's a difference. I think Devontae Wyatt going into year two in the SEC is starting to play a lot better. I 100% agree, man. I'm totally with you on this one. Like, If you look at the numbers, like right now, I know obviously the competition hasn't been great, although we did play Vanderbilt and Keyshawn Vaughn's a really good running back. But right now we're fifth nationally in rush defense, giving up only 60 yards a game. And honestly, for me, like this is a big matchup for us to win because when teams have been able to run the ball on us dating back to all the way like to 2017, the national championship or the year that we played for the national title, when teams have been able to run the ball on us, we've lost. Like we're giving up 200. We've, uh, in uh, the last five losses going back to 2017, we've given up an average of 206 rush yards a game. So this is an important matchup for us to win. But we, we went over Notre Dame. They haven't been running the ball particularly well. Uh, had some decent success, success against Louisville. Not a lot of success against New Mexico. Right now it's just a Tony Jones Jr. show, and he's solid but not maybe elite. And we've been really good against the run right now. You mentioned Tyler Clark, Devontae White. I, I like our front seven in general. I think we're playing smart, disciplined, fast, aggressive. I like us in this matchup. Uh, all right, so stick with the Notre Dame offense for just another minute or two here, Kurt. From a scheme standpoint, what is it that this Notre Dame offense like really wants to do? Like, what is what are they trying to accomplish? Obviously, they want to score, but how are they going about doing this? I mean, let's be honest. The staple of Brian Kelly's system is he wants to throw the ball. Yeah, that, I mean that. I going like back to wants yeah, to everything. Absolutely, going back to his days at Cincinnati, I think it was at Central Michigan before that. Yeah, he he wants to do that. So is that how you expect them to attack us on Saturday night between the hedges? I think they're going to try to. I think because especially since they're not very deep at the running back position, they're going to try to use the pass to open it up. I agree. I mean, honestly, I'll be real with you guys. I, I'm not one of these guys that's going to dismiss Brian Kelly. I have respect for the guy and his offensive staff. I think they're smart enough to look at their running. Now, Brian Kelly is not a doesn't seem like a great guy, kind of arrogant, but whatever. I think he's a good football coach. I think they're smart enough to look at their running game situation and then our front seven and realize, you know what? we're probably not going to have a great deal of success running the football against this Georgia defense. Probably not. So I, I think they're probably only going to run it enough to try to keep us honest and at least offer like the faintest impression that they might run it. Um, and I also think that they are well aware of our goal of creating havoc this season. Let's, let's be honest. Kirby's made no secret of that, right? Like we all know no, it. Yeah. yeah. If we know the other teams know they have guys watching this stuff, coaches pay attention to that type of thing. And they've also seen the success that we've had in creating said havoc. So what I expect them to do a lot of in this game is to move the pocket, get Ian Book on the perimeter where he really excels, like we talked about, and see if they can maybe hit some big plays that way. Because that is what this offense has lived off of through two games. And I, I, I kind of ran, I went back and kind of ran the numbers here. I did my very best. I double checked it. So uh, I, I'm, I feel very confident this is accurate. But I'm sure someone can go out, can go out there and, and double check or triple check me. But on 14 touchdown drives this season. Notre Dame has had at least one big play. And for, and for the purposes of this stat, I'm going to define big play as plays of 30-plus yards. That's kind of how I'm looking at this. And they've had at least one big play of 30-plus yards on 10 of those 14, 14 touchdown drives this season. So that's over 70% of their offensive touchdowns have come from drives yielding at least one play of 30-plus yards. Against New Mexico, they had touchdowns of 59 yards, 65, 37, 46, and 54 yards. But on top of that, here's the next part that's also important. While they're hitting big plays, they're only 121st nationally in third down conversions. They're only converting 
27% of their third down opportunities. I know it's only two games, small sample size, but that's what we've seen so far. So what that tells me is that this offense lives off the big play. They are inefficient and cannot consistently drive it down the field. I don't think they can do that. So they're going to try to manufacture some big play opportunities. And the, the best way for them to do that is get Ian Book on the perimeter and help him kind of just maybe find a way to make a play out there find a sleep and get us kind of out of our uh, out of our coverage there and kind of maybe find someone that's not playing their responsibility tries to maybe come after him and leave a guy open down the field in the scramble drill so I think they're going to try to do that because I just don't think that they can consistently drive the uh, drive the length of the field on us I just, I just don't see it but uh, obviously they won't be the only team that has a game plan in Athens on Saturday night so Kurt if you're Kirby Smart you're Dan Lanning you're Glenn Schumann what is your game plan to slow down this Notre Dame offense? A hundred percent. I'm playing probably two safeties deep and I'm making them beat you with the intermediate and the short uh, in the run game. Because like you said, they, they live on the deep, on the big play. Well, if you take away that big play, you're going to make them have to string together drives. And I, right now I don't think that's their strong point. And so I think Kirby wants to get them in third downs and doesn't want to give up the big play. So I realistically see them playing a two deep safety type system saying you're not beating us deep. Yeah, I agree, man. We always talk about when you're game plan defensively as an old defensive mind myself. Um, I you got to take away their you got you got to make them play left handed, right? Take away what they do best, and what they do best is is hit the big play, get book out in the perimeter. So I think you're right. You've got to make Ian Book beat you from the pocket. That's what you have to do, uh, and and I think it's going to be critical to to accomplish that. It's going to be critical for our coaches to get across the message that we need to play with what I would call controlled aggression. And what I mean by that is you cannot just take off as a defensive player in freelance on defense trying to make a play. You can't do it. For sure, it's a fine line. you got to play aggressive, but you also have to make sure you're doing that within the confines of what your individual responsibility is. It's a team sport, but everyone has their individual responsibility, and you've got to do yours. We can't have an interior defensive lineman getting out of his gap. We can't have an outside linebacker rushing wildly upfield, creating a natural rushing lane for Book to take off on. You can't have a DB trying to play hero ball, get his eyes caught in the backfield, or, or get his eyes caught on the wrong route. You can't do it. Because, again, Notre Dame is going to rely on those big plays, and it's those kinds of mistakes that are going to play right into their hands. We've, we've done it a couple times this year, but let's just not make a habit of in this game. The focus, again, should be keeping Ian Book in this pocket. And you do that with disciplined edge play, kind of that control pass no, rush. Kirby's going to spy on Book. Oh, absolutely! Game. Especially in the third down situations when we get like whether it's Adam Anderson and, or James and I'll say that's where I feel a lot better this year. I don't know. Last year we really had the speed to do or you know to have someone back there that I really trusted. I think our third down dime package right now is far superior to what it was last year. One hundred percent. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with you there. So I think, in, but on standard downs, you can have discipline discipline edge play there. You got to mush rush on the standard downs and squeeze the pocket when you might not have the spy in there uh, in the game. It's not a dime package. So I, I think that's what you've got to do. And then I think you got to roll to me. I mentioned Chase Claypool to me is a, is a guy that you've got to pay attention to. I would roll coverage towards him to make them play left-handed, right? Because I think, again, don't, going back to left-handed, I think Claypool's a guy they want to get the ball to vertically down the field. Roll coverage towards him, take him out of the game. And I would, if, if he's healthy, I would put Tyson Campbell on him and give Campbell help over the top. And there are a couple of reasons for that. I know you would think, well, shouldn't you put your best corner on their best receiver? I get that. But I would – I would put Campbell over there because Campbell's a little bit bigger, a little bit taller than Stokes is. And you, if you put help over the top, that means you're going to leave Stokes one-on-one on the other side and completely take away the other side of the field. So you have Stokes taking away one side of the field, and you got Campbell with a little bit of safety help over the top taking away Claypool. I think that we can, I don't want to say suffocate, but I think we can really make life difficult for this Notre Dame offense. I really do, especially if they can't have any success running the football. But all right, let's move over to the other side of the ball here. Look at our offense versus their defense. And let's about the Notre Dame rush defense versus our rush offense. And Kurt, to me, 
This is what I think, at least on paper, is the clearest matchup advantage for us heading into this game. Uh, is this Notre Dame rushing defense really that bad, or is it just a case of a small sample size skewing the numbers early in the season? I actually don't think they're that good. I think I think it really is just who they are. I mean, you saw it, especially at linebacker. They're not very fast. Uh, they don't cut. They, you know, they don't do a good job of filling in the gaps well because they, you know, like I said, they don't have the speed. And on the defensive line, they have some good pass rushers on the edge. Um, in the you know probably the first three up the middle are decent, but outside that they don't have much depth. And I think that's going to be where our biggest advantage is, even though you know they're going to try to sell out to stop the run. Well, of course they are. I mean, you kind of stole my notes, man. You stole my thunder here. Everything you said, I totally agree with. Look, there's no name defense, guys. If, I, if you don't remember the number, I give it to you guys earlier in the week. But if you missed that, I'll give it to you again. Right now, I know it's only two games, small sample size. But right now, against Louisville in New Mexico, they are 120th nationally in rush defense, giving up 230 yards a game. And again, that's to Louisville and New Mexico. No bueno for Notre Dame when it comes to that. And in terms of like what the issue is, you hit the nail on the head there, Curve. They do have, they do have some great pass rushers, but those guys don't play the run particularly well. Khalid Kareem plays it fairly well. He's a little bit bigger. But Dalen Hayes and Julian Aquar, they're two of what I think are the best pass rushers. Those guys don't really play the run all that well. They're a little light in the britches. And honestly, they're just undersized up front in general. They go with an eight, like essentially an eight-man rotation up front that averages 273 pounds versus our offensive line. That, oh, by the way, Kurt, averages 328 pounds. It's so about a 50-pound differential there against one of the best offensive lines in America. So I don't know, man. Like you look at Drew, you mentioned this in the linebackers, Drew White and inside linebacker number 40. He's kind of a throwback Notre Dame player from like the, like a guy you would see at Notre Dame in like the 80s. Not tough, hard-nosed, but maybe not especially athletic. And not really built to defend modern offenses that get playmakers in space. He, he's a liability, I think, for them. I really do, especially in coverage. Asmar Bilal, he's actually – a pretty athletic linebacker. He, they're kind of moving guys in and out of that position through the first two games. I think they kind of settled on him. He's a good player. And Jeremiah Awusu is kind of a hybrid inside linebacker star type of player, kind of like Isaiah Will, uh, Simmons for Clemson. And he's not as good as Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons, but he's in that same mold. So they do some different things with him. Uh, they do like to get their safeties involved in the run game. Alohi Gilman is a really good safety in run support. I, I think he's a guy that you can take advantage of in coverage, but in run support, he's strong there getting into the box. Uh, but I mean, honestly, there's no doubt we have the matchup advantage, right? Yeah. And I think it's a pretty massive advantage there. So I think that's a, a big one in our favor here. And all right, so let's move over to the Notre Dame pass defense versus our passing offense. You and I both agree, we just did agree that we have a big advantage against this Notre Dame rush defense. But what about this matchup between our passing offense and their passing defense? Who has the advantage in this matchup? Um, I think they have some experienced safeties and one good corner. Um, so I think it's going to be a bit of a push because I think we have good receivers. We just don't know who's going to play. Or, um, you know, we're still trying to understand what they can do. So I, I Rob healthy? Yeah, 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 exactly. So I think if it's more of a push per se, but I don't think that they by any means have lockdown guys. I can, I can see an argument for a push here. For me, I think there's – I think you look at this from two different perspectives. You can look at it from like the, the Notre Dame pass rush versus our offensive line or the Notre Dame, Notre Dame secondary versus our wide receivers and quarterback. Now, the Notre Dame pass rush versus our offensive line, like we've had some – like, we've had some issues protecting the quarterback at times, right? And, and I know that's kind of like nitpicking because it hasn't been all that much. But again, when you expect our offensive line to be so great, we have these high expectations. Like any small little setback is considered as massive failure, and it kind of just stands out. It's a glaring weakness, right? But it might not really be that way. But we, ha- if there's anything that our offensive line has, has had issues with, it's protecting from a little bit in, in the past pro. And Notre Dame does have some really good pass rushers. So from that perspective, you might want to give them the edge. But if you look at our at the Notre Dame secondary versus our receivers and quarterback – 
I kind of like our matchup there because there's no Julian Love. He's gone. He's in the NFL. Tony Pride Jr. You mentioned is a good cornerback. He's a good player. He was, I think he's honestly, go back to watch, watching them last year. He was almost as good as Julian Love. Uh, but the thing is, I think we can exploit the other corner. Sean Crawford at that other cornerback spot, dude's only 5'9". He doesn't have a, and then we don't, we might not have a ton of experience at receiver, but what we do have is size on the perimeter and guys that can go win 50, 50 balls, especially against an undersized DB like Sean Crawford at five foot nine. I look for us to get George Pickens or Matt Landers or Lawrence Cager matched up over there and trying to take advantage of that height differential and that size differential and win some of those 50, 50 balls, whether it's a back shoulder, just going up and throwing up and letting those guys go make a play. I would look for us to do that a couple of times at least in this game. I also really like the matchup of our slot wide receivers and tight ends against their linebackers, safeties, and stars. Uh, and I think D-Rob, if he can get healthy, could maybe be a player of the game in this one. Him and I think Eli Wolf or Charlie Warren can have big games in this one because I, I, I mentioned their safeties, like Elohi Gilman, Sean Elliott, those guys, can, those guys are really good in run support. Uh, Kyle Hamilton as well. They're, 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 they're highly touted freshmen from here in Atlanta. From Maris, I think, is where he went to. Uh, but those guys are I, – I, I'm telling you, man, I think they're liabilities and coverage. I've gone back and I've watched it time and time again. They really have to get their eyes in the backfield, especially against a team like us that runs the ball as well and as effectively as we do. You know they're going to have the mindset of stop the run, stop the run. And I think we go with some play-action looks. We could certainly get a step on them, and I think we can exploit them out of the sauce. Then um, – Don Blaylock can have a big game in this one. So I, I actually think, I, even, even though the offensive line could have some issues with pass protection, if we get in third long situation system, we need to stay ahead of the chains. I kind of overall like us in this matchup. I, I could see an argument for a push. Um, all right. So, uh, Kurt, if you're looking at the rest of this defense, or if you're looking at uh, our offense versus Notre Dame defense, how would you attack them? Well, first, the thing you mentioned, I think we're going to have to use our aggressiveness against them because they know – especially linebacker position and places like that, they're not the fastest and the best guys. So they're going to try to do, you know, that's going to make their number one priority is stopping our run. So that's why I think first off, they're going to sell the stop the run. We have to use that aggressiveness against them. And at the same time, we know who we are and we know what they have. I'm not afraid to run at them either because especially the defensive end position, they got some good pass rushers, but those guys are not big body people. They're not going to hold up continuously against Isaiah Wilson. And they also uh, slow down their pass rush if they have to exert energy against that. Yeah, if you start and – and that's the thing about pass rushing too. They don't like to be hit because by the end of the game, their body is not feeling good. Uh, they're not very energized. So I think you're going to have to run right at them. I mean you say that a lot for people in these situations, but that really is the best way to take it out. You saw it last year against Kentucky. What did we do against Josh Allen? We ran right at the sucker, and he did nothing against us. And that's what we're going to do against Notre Dame in my opinion. We're going to run right at those defensive ends and try to get on the edge too where our speed is going to show against their linebackers lack of speed so we're going to try to neutralize the pass rushers and then attack the linebackers in a way that they're not best suited to handle that's a great breakdown man i totally agree with you everything you said there i think we're going to see a heavy dose of stack boxes early in the game one thing i want to see too is a spread amount if we bunch up and tight it's easier for them to stop the run but if we spread them out then you can attack that speed and the pass rushers even better Absolutely, especially in short yard situations. That's one thing I would like to see is spread spread it out a little bit. Let our offensive line man up against whoever they're, they're leaving the box when we spread it out, and I think I like our chances in those matchups. But we're going to see stacked boxes. We always do. We're probably going to see a lot of cover three so they can roll the safety in the box and still maintain that structural integrity in the back end. That's what we see every week. And so we're going to just, we're just going to need to do what we do in this game. I mean, of course, we're going to throw some wrinkles and some different constraints in there that we will use off of certain actions that we've shown so far. But I think it would be really misguided, honestly to stray too far from just who we are at our core 
offensively. I, I, I would just go with like, the, don't outthink yourself here. You know what I mean? And I think you're right. You mentioned, I got in my notes here, run at Julian Aquar, run at Dalen Hayes, run at those guys. They're undersized and exerting energy against the run. It's going to slow down their pass rush. You got to do that. And I think, and this is big, I'll talk about this a little bit more later with our keys of the game. I think you need to stay ahead of the chains. Take a few shots on early down, sure, to, to loosen things up and, and maybe try to hit some of those big play opportunities, but take what's there. Work outside the hashes. If they're going to play a lot of cover three against us, which is what we see a lot of. Work outside the hashes, which is what Fromm does really well, throwing those deep outs, throw in some screens, some tendency breaking downs, kind of slow down that pass rush even more. Throw in some double verticals on one side of the ball to create those one-on-ones gets cover three. You do all that stuff and you run the football with, with effectiveness – we're going to win this football game. So that, that's how I would go about it. And I agree with everything you said there, Kurt. But all right, we have a couple more segments for you today. And next up, we want to bring back the 3-2-1, which is a segment that we've used uh, a couple times in the past. And our plan is to do this with each game preview show the rest of the season. For some of our newer listeners who might not be as familiar with what the 3-2-1 is, and also for those who might just need a little bit of a refresher, I know it's been a minute since we've done this. This is where we're going to give you three things that we feel good about. That's the three two concerns that we have in this game in one key to the game. So, Kurt, let's start with three things that you feel good about for us in this game. What are you going to go with? Uh, I'm probably going to start with our offensive line. I think you have to go with that. Number two, I think I'm probably going to feel good with Jake Fromm. I think that um, realistically, I think that he's played in these big-time situations, and sometimes that's where you're a little scary. Um, and Jake is really good at home. Yeah, and I think it's a big thing. And I actually probably think I feel good good that we are at home that's probably one of the big things too i think that plays into our favor you know the last couple of years when we've been embarrassed under kirby smart a lot of the time it's been on the road correct me if i'm wrong we haven't lost a game at home since 2016 it doesn't mean it can't happen but i don't i don't, I don't think we've lost we haven't lost a game at home in the past two years yeah we haven't so i mean it's gonna happen again at some point let's just hope it's not knock on wood hope it's not this week so yeah i like all those uh, for me i'm gonna go you said offensive line i got run game in general i like the matchup with our run game versus their, their rush defense I like our depth. If it's a four-quarter game, like they have, like Notre Dame's a good team, guys. I don't want anyone to, to, to make them out to be like some scrub team. They're not. Like they're a good team. They're not trash. And they're starting 22 or they're good players. It's Notre Dame we're talking about. But we have the deeper roster. We have the more experienced roster. We have the better roster. So I think if, it's, if it turns out to be a four-quarter game, I like our depth in that situation, especially at home. I think that's going to be a big-time factor for us, just the quality depth. And special teams, too. Cannot discount special teams. I, I think our special teams has a chance to be elite this year. Uh, Rodrigo Blankenship is a weapon for us, especially at home. And their kicking situation, Justin Yoon uh, is gone. He's been there forever. He's gone now. They have a guy who's made two field goals in his career, Jonathan Dorr. And we know how raucous that environment's going to be. That's going to be a tough situation for him to go into, having kicked very, very little in his career. So I think special teams could certainly be something we should feel good about going in this game, hopefully. All right, what about two concerns you have? I'm probably going to go with, tackling um i think especially from the safety position say maybe richard lecount he can't miss tackles yeah that's all i got i know and that's always mm, it's always a an issue with him right now what else you got um and then second off i may go with conservative um you know, offense offense conservative? Little, i think the way that you know sometimes they get away from going for the big play and things like that they try to play safe sometimes and sometimes that can hurt us and it stall our drives out penalties really Especially once we get a lead, right? Just go for the throat. Yeah, Just step yeah. on the throat. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things. I know we've mentioned some of these already. Uh, one thing uh, that does concern me a little bit is, is the Notre Dame pass rushing ability against our offensive line. I love our offensive line. Our offensive line is elite. There's no doubt. But again, we said it ad nauseum, but if there's been any issues at all, it's with them being able to hold up in pass protection. And this is absolutely, no questions asked, the best pass rushing defensive front that we have seen to this point. 
and uh, we're going to have to be ready to play. And hopefully our offensive line will be able to answer that bell. And again, we've talked about those. Mostly it's not really been like physical issues. Our guys getting beat. It's been more so communication issues. So if we've worked out the communication issues, we've had some time to do that. I still feel pretty good there. And then Chase Claypool is the other concern, especially if Tyson Campbell can't go. I think that's guy. That's the one dude that's a true bona fide type playmaking option for them on that offense. Um, Ian Book can make plays too, but Claypool has the potential to be a big-time playmaker for them. And so we just got to find a way to keep him under wraps. And then uh, finally here, Kurt, what is the one key that you have to this to winning this football game? Uh, to me, I think it's penalties. If we don't commit penalties and we don't get behind the chains or allow them to extend drives through that, then I think that we're going to be a hard team to beat. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Uh, I got, I got, oh, I got. It's hard for me to pick between both. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw two out there. I know I'm breaking the rules here. Uh, the first one for me though is stay ahead of the chains offensively. Stay ahead of the change and stay on schedule. With a pass rush like Notre Dame has, we cannot consistently give them third and long situations. I think that's the strength of this team is their ability to rush the passer. So we cannot consistently play into their hands by giving them third and long situations to work where they can kind of just pin their ears back and come after us and not even worry about our running game. If they have to worry about our run game in third and medium, third and short situations. They're, I don't want to say they're going to be non-factors, but they're not going to be as much of a factor in this game as they otherwise could be. So if you stay ahead of the chains, that allows our offensive line to play with the advantage in the pass game. Just keep them off balance. And then the other thing I would say, we mentioned a little bit earlier, do not give up the big play. Do not do it. Right now we're in the top 16 and giving up plays of 20-plus yards defensively. Uh, we mentioned it earlier, Notre Dame is – converting to only 27% of their third downs. So they have not shown the ability to put together long drives. Uh, but they've and, and their touchdown drives average only five plays. Five of, of 14 touchdown drives have been five plays or fewer for them. So just do not give up the big play in this one. Kirby Smart's defenses are typically very, very good at this. We play with those high shells. So I feel good about it, but we just we can't do it. We can't screw around and give up. Those big plays. Uh, all right, let's. Uh, the last segment here before we let Kurt do his pick for the game is uh, let's do some over unders here, real quick. Let's do, uh, let's do some rapid fire stuff. So uh, over under twenty carries for DeAndre Swift. I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna go over. I'm gonna go twenty one, barely over. I can see like nineteen twenty one, almost a push. All right, over under twenty five passes for Jake Fromm. I might go over. I'm gonna. Oh, oh, see, I, I, 25 is like a sweet spot for him. Usually if we have to go over 25 passes, that's when we're in trouble. Well, yeah, I'm including the short passes. and all There's the only short- one game where he's thrown over 25 or 26 passes in his career that we've actually won. Uh, but this is a different year, different team, different offense, different, different coordinator. I'm going to go – I think we're going to run the football a lot. I think we're going to try to. I'm going to go under slightly, 23, 24 attempts. Uh, all right, so Notre Dame is – their defense is giving up on average 230 rushing yards per game. So, Kurt, over under 230 yards rushing for our offense. I'm going to go over. I think in the second half we're going to wear their wear them down because they don't have much depth. I agree with that. I think that's what's going to happen. This is what we do. We've seen it time and time again. Uh, we'll run the ball with decent effectiveness early in the game, but they'll be fresh and they'll be out motivated and they'll be hyped up and they'll have a bunch of bodies in the box. But if we just stick with it and do what we do, when the second half rolls around, we're able to roll guys in and out, and they're just worn out because they don't have the quality of depth that we have. That's why I said depth was a big thing for us. I think that we can start to, to hit some big plays in the, in the, on, the, on the ground there. So I think I'm going to go over as well. Um, over under 250 passing yards for our offense. I think that's kind of what I think that's the number I found that we're averaging right now on I'm the season. I'm going to go over. Even 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 if we don't get all the yards, which you were talking about, um, I go over because, I mean, all the attempts, I still think we go over. 
I'm, I agree because Jake Fromm, he, we don't, the thing about with Fromm is that we don't always throw the ball that much, but he always throws for a high yards per a, attempt average, very high yards per attempt average. I think he had like 15 yards per attempt against Murray State, over 12 against uh, against Arkansas State last week. So I'm going to go over, not a ton over. I don't think he's going to throw for 300 yards in this game. I'd say maybe in the 250 to 275 range. So I'm going to go over. All right, over under 350 yards total offense for Notre Dame. I'm going to go over. Okay, I'm going to go uh, – I'm going to go like ever so slightly over. I think under 400. Like three, yeah, I do too. I just think that they'll get some passing yards. I mean, for all you know, you could have a big lead and then get desperate. I mean, you just don't know what's going to sure. happen. Yeah, so I'm going to go safe and go over. I can see a scenario where it's under, but I'm going to go over just to be safe here. Uh, over under 19 points for Notre Dame because that is what they scored us in 2017. So they go over or under that total. I am going to go under. I'm going under too. I'm thinking 14 to 17. Over under 15,000 Notre Dame fans in attendance. I'm going to go under. We're giving them 8,000 tickets. Uh, I'm going to go under too. I'm thinking maybe 10 to 12,000. I mean, 15 might be the push. We'll see. But it's not going to, I don't think it's anything like what we saw of the Georgia Notre Dame, right? In South Bend, right? No, not at all. No. And then finally here, over under 10 alcoholic beverages you will consume on Saturday. Under. Yeah, that's actually probably true for you. <laughs> probably true for you. All right. And finally, Curtis, since you can't be on the show tomorrow to do our picks, let's have you pick uh, pick this game and give us your reasoning for that pick. Um, I am going to go with Georgia under uh, under the 13 and a half. I believe that we win. Um, I just think it'll be more of like a 10-point game in my opinion. So a two-score game, but maybe not a blowout like people are thinking. Yeah. And we'll find you guys will find out my picks uh, tomorrow. I might be, as of right now, thinking something similar to Curtis right now. But all will be revealed on our Picks of the Week show that will be up Thursday night. On that show, I will give my detailed final take on this epic Georgia Notre Dame matchup that we have been waiting for for quite a long time. So make sure to check back in for that. And we have also we have an awesome guest host lined up for that show. A long time and very loyal listener who we are very excited to have on the show. It should be a lot of fun. So definitely make sure to check back in for that. But that is all for today's show. This was a this was a lot of fun, man, to actually get to do a game preview show after a few weeks off with the games against Murray State and Arkansas State. No one wanted to listen to preview shows about those two teams. The alternative shows were great, had fun doing that, but nothing, man. Nothing beats a good game preview show where you just get to dig into the matchups and the X's and O's. Before we get out of here, I do want to throw out just one more quick reminder that starting next week, we will be transitioning into our new partnership with Overtime Media, so you will not be able to find our show on SoundCloud or Podbean as you have been for a while now. So if you've been listening to us on either of those platforms, I know it can be very annoying and frustrating to have to switch up how you access our show, especially if you've been doing it the same way for a couple of years. Don't worry, there are plenty of great places to find us that are just as easy to use. If you're an Apple user, you know, you have an iPhone or iPad, Apple Podcasts slash iTunes, that would probably be the best place for you. If you're an Android user, Google Play, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, and even Spotify would all be great options for you. And uh, let us know if you need any guidance there. We will certainly be very happy to help you out. But thanks for listening, guys. We really appreciate that. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always... A big time. Go dogs.